Hello friends and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Delavalle, aka MDV. I'm joined today on the show by my very good friend and one of the most seasoned and respected coaches and programmers in the game today, Seth Page. Seth is the former founder of Misfit Programming and he's now on a new path. He and his wife have jumped ship literally to Hawaii. Armed with an insane amount of coaching experience and knowledge, Seth is on a mission to change the course of competitive training 90 minutes at a time. And him and his team at Jump Ship Training are doing things in a really unique and fun way. No cycles, no 1RMs, no four hour training sessions, 90 minutes of getting after it, and that's all you need. More necessarily isn't better. I love that about Seth. Not only that, Seth's popping up gyms left and right in Hawaii. He currently owns two and he's absolutely living the dream. So grab a notebook, grab a chair, and let's learn a thing or two from Seth Page. Let's go. Seth, good afternoon. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So on the show today is Seth Page. Seth is one of the former founding partners of Misfit Programming. Uh, he is the founder of Jump Ship Training, the co-owner of Jump Ship CrossFit, and doing a lot of amazing things. A, a brand new homeowner in Hawaii, and yes. uh, one of my favorite people who I've got to know over the years in the CrossFit functional training space. He and I met through some stuff with Reebok and Misfit at the time, and we've just had a lot of really good conversations about coaching programming and the intersection of those things and the different kind of businesses that we run within the space. So I'm excited to talk to you today, Seth. I appreciate you having me on. I think uh, you and I, like you said, we kind of share a lot of the same um, thoughts about things and both of us go a ways back in kind of the CrossFit world and the functional space and kind of we've got to connect multiple times over the years as things have progressed and we've always been able to catch up as things are changing and evolving. And I think it's pretty cool to be able to keep sharing like our unique experiences and like how they um, kind of go over and, and how things continue to evolve in our sport and our kind of world. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely is an ongoing evolution and um, the most relevant and probably easiest place to start with the evolution that you're currently going through is that you find yourself in Hawaii, a new gym owner with a growing new business with jump ship. So tell us what's going on there. Yeah. So, um, after my departure a couple of years ago now, um, from Maine and the whole misfit thing, uh, my wife and I, uh, moved down to Florida and bought a gym down there. Um, it was, we had a lot of fun down there. It was a great gym. Um, but the gym we bought, this is kind of an interesting topic, actually. The gym we bought was very well established in the area. They had a very strong gym culture um, and they just did things a certain way. So I was kind of, I learned a lesson about being a little presumptuous, thinking that I was going to go in there and make this like massive impact and everyone was going to change the way they viewed things to the way I view things. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't end up working out that way. And while we had, you know, we taught a lot of people a lot of things and had a lot of fun we never really got to put our like specific culture and taste as to how we think of things into that gym. It was already established. It already was what it was. And so, um, and, and COVID didn't make things any easier, obviously. Uh, uh, COVID hit Florida really hard, just like it's hit a lot of areas really hard. And we were one of the first places to shut down when it was, when it was getting crazy. And we had a, uh, a coach who 
really love the place and fit that community and that culture better. And we, so we kind of worked with her and made a deal and, and moved on from that gym only 18 months after buying it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the right decision like for everybody and it worked out really good. And so from there, this is like mid COVID middle of this year, we just kind of hit the road. We, we had, we had started jump ship at the beginning of 2020 um, as a way to kind of redefine the way that we myself and both my wife wanted to put programming out there for the masses and the masses that wanted to be a little more competitive. So we were basically living off the online company and with COVID going on and everyone working out from home, we had plenty of uh, clients, no Mm -hmm. shortage of clients to help us uh, with all that. And so we just kind of scooted across the country. We packed our vehicles, sold all our stuff, took our dogs and drove West (laughs) for like a month in Phoenix uh, with some of Danny's family. And then went to California, bounced around uh, to different Airbnbs, different parts of that. And then just kind of pulled the trigger and said, let's go to Hawaii. Got like a six month rental, like a a studio in someone's house and just like said, we'll we'll figure it out when we get there. And that's kind of what we did. That's really cool. I mean, that's an amazing adventure. I think, you know, buying a gym that is previously established with a strong culture, I think is something that is difficult to, you know, come on in and, and change the way that people do things or change the way people look at things. And any change, you've been around this space long enough to know, and even small changes within gym sometimes, it's like you're trying to push a ball uphill. And I'm sure you guys had good relationships with people and the athletes and the coaches there, but yeah, difficult situation. And that was, was it CrossFit Deerfield beach? Yep. CrossFit Deerfield beach. Yeah. We had a, a, a mate. We still have friends there that we talk to regularly. We have amazing relationships with everybody. There was zero issues, zero real conflict, nothing like that. But when it comes to both like personal and professional growth, it was hard to plant the jump ship seed into that gym and make it a jump ship gym. Yeah. It was, you know, it, it already was what it was. And so we realized that real shortly after starting jump ship and being like, this might not be the right spot for us forever. And that's okay. And like, we'll make sure that this place is supported and it goes to the right person, which it absolutely did. So like we actually, cause there was a lot of guilt buying a gym, disrupting a community. And then 18 months later, considering to re-disrupt all these people. And cause a gym is a very important part of a lot of people's lives. It's, it's big. And they're already stressed out with COVID. So like yeah. now, now it's a big disruption. So we made sure that to the best of our ability that we put the facility in the right person's hands and we, and it's working out great. So yeah. very happy about that. Well, I'm happy for you guys. I mean, that's a decision that not everybody would be able to make with that same kind of courage or awareness to look at the situation and go, Hey, this isn't right. It, this isn't right. Not only for us right now, but for the members right now and what we wanted to make this for them. And the best decision is to, pass it along to somebody who is going to usher them along that journey. You know, one of the things that you, you kind of hinted at a couple of times is this, this specific vision that you have for jump ship, which is your online programming company, but it's also now your, the physical business that you have in, in Hawaii. Tell us a little bit about what that vision is for jump ship. Yeah. Um, so with my background being, uh, in my passion, uh, ignited by, by, um, programming for competitive athletes. Um, I obviously had a very large share of doing that throughout my years with the Misfit guys. Um, And then 
when I got done, I just started to think about things. I was already thinking about things differently when I was in there, but once like the, the misfit culture as that ball's rolling, you can't just change what that company puts out on a dime, right? It can't be something different than it's been established to be. So with jump ship, I had this one opportunity to launch something that is completely kind of like, it's a fresh start for me. It allows me to think about things differently. And one of the biggest things I've always said, and I had a tough time getting away from myself is that athletes are doing way too much in the gym. Even the highest, well, the highest level these days, they're, they're, a lot of them are overtraining. People who are trying to get to the next level see the stuff that they see on YouTube and other social media, and they still believe more is better. No matter how many times guys like you, me, and others will tell them it's just not the case. And we have all the experience in the world to prove it. They're not going to listen. So my one way of doing things was constructing a program that limited volume based on time. You can only do so much in a certain amount of time and do it with intensity and do it with any form of technique and do it right. So we were like, my wife and I were like out at dinner one night, like what is the absolute sweet spot? Like what can somebody focus on for what length of time and what can we get out of it? And we just landed on 90 minutes. We said, it's a little more than an hour class and people with a higher fitness level don't need as much of that um, hand-holding, coaching, fun drills that you get in affiliate class. They can do a little more in that hour than you could in a typical affiliate class. And then there's still time for recovery and maybe one more skill piece or extra strength. So we toyed with a bunch of ways to build out 90 minute programs. And we kind of just landed with sticking to 90 minute on the dot. Everything's built on a clock. So when you walk in the gym, you start the timer, warm up included, three, two, one, go. You're done at the 90 minute mark. And so we've constructed everything for a functional fitness program based on that. And my goal is to make somebody follow a more sustainable, more GPP style 90 minute program that can always progress them. They don't need the cycles. They don't need the test retest. It's just steady progression and focus on the things that'll make the biggest difference when they come up. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're speaking my language here, man. I think that we share a lot of views on, um, the amount of time that people are spending in the gym, the amount of intention that they're putting towards the efforts, the overall amount of volume, the, uh, the need for quote unquote cycles and what that means for a GPP program. There's a lot of different ways that we can talk about this. And, but one of the things that I, I did want to highlight here is that, you know, 90 minutes is, is more than enough training time for just about anybody out there, the, the 99.9% .9 of people who are thinking about being competitive in functional training, CrossFit really don't need much more than that. If you're giving the right intention and effort into what you're doing. I a hundred percent agree. And, and in fact, I think that many athletes are doing a disservice to themselves by the way that they are training and doing more. And I think, I think it's pretty easy to convince somebody once they're willing to give that a shot and, and, and see for themselves, give it a, you know, four to six week window of less volume, more intensity and more intention, as you put it to like on the things that'll make the biggest difference, but convincing somebody that that is the right answer and that they should take a bit of time away from their high volume training has been the biggest challenge that I think I've come across in my entire coaching career. People, mm. I've seen 
and this is not a knock on the high level athletes that have had great success in the, in the sport, but they've seen people like rich and what is rich doing and the eight pieces a day, like our friend, James Hobart, who used to train with rich on the team, like the YouTube videos that would come out with those two and wow. I talked to James about it training all day. Like yeah. that is not going to work for like, like you said, the 99.999% other people have things in their life that take away from their ability to recover from that all day training or have things that distract them. So they're not really putting in hundred percent of their focus and effort into those training pieces. They're going through the motions and being destructive rather than productive. And I think that is just happening universally across our sport right now, not necessarily as much in the gyms, but just for people who are trying to get to that next level, universally doing too much instead of focusing on the right way to do the right things. Yeah. I mean, that, that is so incredibly powerful. And, you know, I, I think the, the thing that people miss when they look at somebody who's doing that amount of training, three, four, five plus hours of training a day is that if they, if that person is, is being successful with it, that literally means that that is the only thing that that person really is doing in their life. They, right. they don't have other external stressors against them that would impede their recovery, that they have to take time and effort and energy away from that to be, you know, a business person, you know, they spend time with their family, they train, they eat, they sleep. That's it. You don't have much more time during your day, man. Nope. That's it. That's literally it. And, and some of them are even, you know, they, they put family aside a little bit for a few years to do this stuff. Like that's really happening. It is literally eat, sleep, train for a lot of people at that level that are, able to do this. And, and even the best of the best, I know there's outliers is Matt and Tia where people just want to know like what's in the water, like how we don't know. We don't even know what Matt does for training. He's very secretive about it. Nobody really knows. It doesn't highlight a whole lot. Uh, nope. He doesn't, he doesn't put it out there. Um, but it, we don't know how sustainable it is for some people like them. Yeah. They're multiple time games athletes and they're amazing outliers and they're doing a lot of things right. Clearly they have to be. Um, but when they turn into masters athletes, like, are we still, are they even on the radar or are they so like, are their joints so done? Is there, are they so metabolically deranged by that point? Like we're, we're in the business of health to a certain point, but competing. And there's a line that has to be navigated as to what, like, you know, the longevity health side of our training is and what, you know, the sport side of things are like, you look at professional athletes in any sport and it's a pretty short career window especially the more violent aggressive sports football you know things like that like the window of, of success is very short because people are really run down and beat up from yeah. sports not a health thing it's a it's a competing thing and and so I, I guess i'm sort of shifting gears by accident here but like there's a lot of people out there in the world who want to take their fitness to the next level they want to compete and they can do it in a way that is not going to be you know theoretically you know, deranging them in, in a negative way, long-term. Yeah. Bre breaking down their body, foregoing other opportunities, missing time with your family, all those right. things. I, you know, I think about this quite a bit because I see a lot of people who get wrapped up in the competitive side of training, but they don't realize that the, the, re the risk reward equation in functional training is not the same risk reward equation in something like being a professional football player Right. You know, where you have the opportunity to go make millions of dollars right. to sacrifice your body for four or five years in this space, you sacrifice your body, your time for four or five years, the odds of you making millions of dollars are 0% for yep. most people. 
yep. you know, for the select, very, very select few. Yes, I get it. But m most people, this is like, you're chasing a dream of being competitive in something where yes, we, you want to reach all athletic potential. You want to excel. You want to prove yourself. I understand that that's, those are powerful things. Mm -hmm. That's also think like, what is the reality of the situation here? How are you managing the conversation with people where you're like, this person comes to you and they're like, Hey, I want to join jump ship. I don't think it's enough time for me to be training. I want to train five hours a day. I can go to the games and I can win. I can beat Matt. And you're thinking like, dude, like the, you're, you're about 10 levels away from getting to that point. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've learned some hard lessons over the years about doubting people as far as saying like go, coming right out and saying, no, you can't do that. That's um, it's not going to happen for you. I, I've, I've, I've had that bite me in the ass with, with one uh, person in particular. So I, I won't do that again. I won't make that mistake again. But uh, at the same time, I'm better now at having very realistic discussions about with people. And I can usually poke four or five holes in their, you know, in their, um, their plan to get to where Matt and Tia are pretty quick and say, you know, that's not how they do this. That's not how they do that. They don't have that job to deal with. They don't have those bills to worry about. Like, they don't have three kids, whatever. Um, so that's not really hard. I haven't had somebody in a long time be so foolish that they would say something like that to me. But the, the uh, I'm going to do 90 minutes, but then what about my second session or how much more do I need? Or can I get stronger in 90 minutes? Or can I improve my engine? That I have to convince somebody just to try it because mm. my words are only going to go so far. I have to, I usually try to tell someone, look, you've been doing whatever, four hours of training for the last two years, five days a week in the gym, just consider this a deload if you want. I want you to take three weeks of doing nothing but the 90, follow it as close to a T as possible, scale to modified where needed, and just see how your body feels, see how you react. You may find that you've been doing four hours in the gym, but you've been spacing your pieces so far apart that the recovery is doing well for you and whatever, but you may find that the 90, the two to three pieces you get done in that time are so intense and so close together. And you may find that you're more sore now from this than you were in that, because now you have more focus. You're on a clock. You can't wait three, four, five minutes between your sets and your lifts because I'm putting you on in every two minute. Like there's this structure to it that holds people accountable in there. And once I have people try it for two or three weeks, almost everyone that said, okay, I'm going to do that comes back and goes, holy shit, like when's the like deload week? Like this is crazy. It's like, I know it's a competitor program in 90 minutes and it's going to work if you stick with it and give it, you know, be okay with incremental progress and be patient. And like, you don't need to add another session. You don't need to even add another piece. You might need to change a piece to hit a specific weakness maybe, but you don't need to add the volume to it or, or, or change much about it other than that. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a, a great point there too. Just you're playing the long game in a lot of these situations. Like you're getting into this, unless you're blessed by an absolutely natural talent who comes into you and says, Hey, listen, you know, obviously I've been very successful, like Brooke Wells switching teams right now, right. you know, wherever she right. goes, she's going to do well. Of course. But for most people, this is going to be incremental improvement over the course of some months, some years, and then, you know, getting to that full expression of what their potential is. Um, one of the things that I thought was really also, I want to make it clear, like, don't, I've made that mistake too. don't doubt anybody who comes into you and says, yeah. Hey, listen, I have this amazing goal and dream and I want to reach this potential. I'm sure yeah. that there were people out there who laughed at 
Matt Frazier, who laughed at Justin Madero, the kid this year who right. came out of uh, Adam's gym up at CrossFit Fort Vancouver. Yep. You know, those situations will come across your plate. So be mindful not to just write people off. One of the yep. things that you talked about, about GPP, and this is something that comes up a lot in the conversations I have with athletes and coaches is like, where are the cycles? Where did the cycles go? Why aren't we in a cycle right now? Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on that. So, <laughs> uh, so a lot of cycles, um, the thought of a cycle came into CrossFit from what I can tell from, uh, old weightlifting programs, right? So the idea of periodized training is typically a weightlifting thing that's come into CrossFit when Olympic lifting got a lot, um, more popular and became a staple and very, very important to be competitive at in the sport. Um, and even just like Wendler, Wendler was a thing you saw in every affiliate that, you know, wasn't following.com back in the day, the five, three, one program. It was, it was a, a simple progression that most people could wrap their heads around. But having said that, um, in, in a general population, whether it be in an affiliate or I'm just putting something online for the masses, everybody is progressing at a extremely different rate. Everybody has a very different background and foundation that they're building on. And um, again, when you're making a generalized program, a end period to a cycle may not be the right place for a lot of people. And also cycles are supposed to be there to peak somebody for a specific point in time. You don't have that many points in time that we're peaking a general population for, not even the open really, um, especially not anymore with four or five stages to whatever's going on this year. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I don't have a time that I need yeah. the, the masses to peak. I have a time at all points where I want you to make steady incremental progress year after year. And with that said, like cycles, again, have a, a useful place in sport and in weightlifting and things like that. But another thing to remember, and this is something I just talked to one of my strength coaches about, a lot of these cycles, these old programs, these Russian, Bulgarian, all these programs, they were made with athletes on steroids. That's just a fact. Like yeah. they, they were made with people who are just weightlifting and they're weightlifting with a little extra assistance and they're, you know under gunpoint of their government to make certain percentages <laughs> to get to the next point. You know what I mean? And I'm not even really exaggerating that much. Like that's what a lot of these cycles came from. Now there's more thoughtful weightlifting programs now with cycles, of course, but you still see athletes going after small of, and like some of these other programs, like that's going to increase their squat. It's going to decrease your ability to move well, and it's going to hurt you. And you're probably going to run out of progress in the first couple of weeks. You're not going to be able to keep doing it. GPP, is just out there as a strength program in a sense to, this is the way I think about it, stimulate your central nervous system enough to realize that a load greater than what you're used to carrying has been moved by you and you had to get your body pumped up enough to move it. And that stimulation is what drives the adaptation and growth in your body. Hmm. So if you're stimulating your central nervous system to do something as big or bigger than you've ever done before, that's enough, even in small doses, to get your body to say, okay, grow. I'm going to have to face this again. I need to grow. And that happens in, in all sorts of ways within CrossFit, not just in weightlifting, but even in you know, adaptation and in, in, um, metabolic ways too. And so it's just, I, I, from a GPP standpoint, I just am trying to put you into a situation that makes you 
pushed a little further, whether that's a strength thing or conditioning thing, if you do that enough and you do that the right way with enough, the right dose without too much, they will grow and they will not be under recovered. So they will grow, they will get stronger, they can do it again, repeat. So that's why I just go GPP way. I just want to keep finding ways to get that central nervous system fired up and not overload it to the point that you can't do it again the next day. Yeah. I, I think we, we have a lot of shared thoughts on this. Um, you know, I really appreciate, you know, how you're thoughtful about it and thinking about programming for a large group of people here who are, who are all theoretically going to step out of the program at different points during the training year to compete in different events that are non-linear in structure anymore. And, you know, you might have some people who are going to do the open, they qualify for the next stage, they got to do that. Then you have people who qualify for the next stage, you're going to do that. But then also people that want to just generally compete in other events that come up throughout the year at different points. You know, if you are so rigid in how you're cycling your programming, you're necessarily saying that you are going to focus on certain things and you are going to devalue other things but that doesn't necessarily benefit the person who's going out there in a GPP style competition. Right. You know, that, that whole aspect of cycles is lost on me where, like you were saying, if you're going to trash your legs through small off, but then you also have somebody who's trying to compete around that same time, they, they are necessarily leaving things off the table that they could have benefited from a more well-rounded program. Totally. Yeah. And the other thing with it too, is like, again, weightlifting is one component of what we do. Why wouldn't we want to be current on our, our ability? So with a cycle, you have planned test and retest and it's rigid and their percentages are pretty rigid too, in most weightlifting cycles. And so I would rather have somebody more often, not all the time, but at least weekly, build up to a one, two, three, five rep max in something, take 15 minutes and do that after this strong warm up here. If they're having a good day, they're gonna PR. They don't need to wait for six weeks to be up to hit a stronger lift than they've ever lifted before. But on the contrary, if you make that person go through that cycle and assume that all that work's gonna pay off and then they get to the end point where they're supposed to test, but guess what? They only got five hours of sleep last night. They've been working. They have holiday stress. They have whatever. They just don't PR. In fact, they put up 10 pounds less than what they did. Doesn't mean they're not getting stronger or getting value from that, but you've now mentally screwed that athlete. Mm. Now they're hopping off the program. They need a new coach. They, this person did this. I got to change my style of that. Like if you put that doubt in this, we know how fragile athletes can be when it comes to their ego and the way that they perceive their abilities the last thing you want to do is set them up to have a chance of big time failure after all this work. I'd rather just set you up to be successful once a week, twice a week, try again, try again. Don't hit it this time. No worries. You're not feeling great. Build up to a heavy single. I don't care what that ends up being, but one of those times you're going to build up to a heavy single double or triple and you're going to hit a PR in one of those lists. And next week you're probably going to PR another one. And it might be five, six weeks from now, you're going to PR another one. So those athletes that you see that are at a high level, they're going, I haven't PR'd my back squat in four years. Well, you probably should have changed the way you were approaching your back squat then. Yeah, I know when you get to an elite level, PRs are a lot you know, further and few between because you're, you're maximizing where you're at. But it may just take a long rest period. It may take a change of this. It may take whatever. You should be able to unlock PRs for a long time. 
I mean, I know masters that still PR their stuff. Like, I don't know. I just don't, I, I think I'm with you. I just don't get the cycle thing and why things have to be so rigid for weight training. Yeah. I, I really think that, and this, this extends into the affiliate population as well, the gym population, where if you're a coach out there and you're placing undue emphasis on the success of your program solely being based on your performance in a benchmark or solely being based on your performance in a, a lift that you label a rep max, you are necessarily probably going to have a lot of disappointed athletes because it, you, that's not the success of the program. The success of the program does not mean every time you do something that's labeled a benchmark, you constantly will improve your score. It has so, there's so many other variables in what's going on. Like you said, sleep, nutrition, stress. What did they do the day before the week before? What did they do leading up to it? You know, for that work day, did they sit all day? Did they stand all day? You know, all of those things go into the performance that happens at the affiliate level and probably even like arguably more important for coaches to frame the conversation around in the affiliate level. No matter what you do for today, give your best effort. If your PR is there, it's there. If it's not, that's cool. We'll attack it again three or four months down the road and we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the way that you just said it, and I think the way that you broached that subject with the athlete who may be disappointed because they didn't hit a PR is hugely important. If you, if you continue to like feed the negativity they may be feeling for being down about not hitting a PR or just, they might be down in general, which is why they're not hitting a PR, right? Something outside the gym could be affecting them. The whole thing is to, is to pick them up and not give them excuses and not give them whatever, but like, you know, reinforce that they're doing the right things. And when, you know, this comes around, it'll be better. And okay, this may not be, have been great today, but look how great you did on that. And look at this and remember where you were two years ago with this, like just constantly reinforcing the positive things with your general population in your gym, I think is like hugely important. So, yeah, I have a lot of respect for you in, in that. I have a lot of respect for you in a lot of regards, but you know, in, in all the ways that you've ever talked about performance and how you talk to your athletes. I think that you do a really, really amazing job of it. Um, and one of the things that I, I'm, I'm really stoked for you about is that you've been able to bring on some really interesting people to work with you at Jumpship. Obviously, you have Danny, your wife. Uh, you've got a couple of other people. You've got Adam from CrossFit Fort Vancouver. You've got a very accomplished strength coach. Tell yeah. us about working with those, those people within the organization. It's definitely been it's, – it's been a nice change for me because um... – yeah, I'm used to just trying to figure out every aspect of everything. I won't say on my own, but the mo most of it, you know, by myself. And just like, I learned from, I won't say, I, I don't necessarily think I had like a mentor. Like a lot of people have like a coaching mentor. I just try to absorb stuff since 2008 and beyond, like whatever it is, this YouTube video, that article, this, that. And then of course, my 10,000 plus hours coaching athletes in the gym. Like, so I, I learned a lot about that, but then now that I have people like Bob Durant, who is this like pretty well-known strength coach up in his area, um, you know, and Timberwolf with um, Andrea and uh, they like, you know, I talked to him and he has a lot of similar methodologies about how to get people stronger, but then he starts bringing like the whys and the hows and all that into me. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And he's just like expanding my way of thinking about the best way to approach certain things. And then Adam was like hugely helpful when we first launched this, um, the whole jump ship thing. He was, you know, helping us, helping me frame the way I thought about master's training and the way that I thought about just training in general. 
Adam's one of the toughest, mentally toughest guys like ever. <laughs> like, I don't know anyone that's willing to do the things he does and do it with a smile on their face. Like the guy is not only a great coach, but he certainly puts things in perspective that you just can't get from anybody else because they're not willing to look at it the way he'll look at it. So really amazing there. My, my wife, um, when I think, you know, when my ego gets the best of me and I think I have it figured out, she'll certainly knock me down seven or eight pegs to be like, make me feel like I'm starting over again. Like it's, it's all good stuff. And, um, and even my uh, long-term um, friend and I used to coach him and now he's a coach with us. Um, Arnie Christensen from Iceland. He's been coaching in gyms for almost 10 years. He helps run one of the biggest, literally one of the biggest affiliates in the world. They had like six, 700 members or something crazy before uh, COVID and just listening to him and listening to other cultures perspective on CrossFit. They just do things differently in Iceland mm -hmm. than, than I've been used to. So I just am like I'm becoming more of a sponge again. And instead of like having my being set in my ways, which it's very easy to do and do the same thing seven, eight years in a row. Like I kind of did a misfit. The reset button was really important and being more open to others' feedback, um, especially if they don't agree with me is, is pretty important too. And so just having a, a team now that I feel like um, no one's jockeying for like uh, uh, superiority. Everyone's just putting in like, Hey, think about this. Hey, think about that. What do you think about that? And it's just, having great conversations just help things like helps keep me passionate about it, I guess. Yeah. Otherwise it can get stale as I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've had your ups and downs, right? How could you not with all your stuff you've done? It, it definitely, I think that it's having that kind of team dynamic in that environment where you have people who can, who can both challenge you not only in a way that gets your best work out onto paper, but challenge you in a way that, uh, helps you question some of the things that you're putting down is a very, very important type of thing. And I'm, I am guessing that you've probably felt this way before and correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes when I'm either doing something or saying something, it's hard to find people around that will challenge you in a way that is uh, either productive or even puts their hand up to, to say something because you know, you've been around for a very long time and, and sometimes you'll put something down on paper and it might be, maybe it's whack or maybe it's awesome, but nobody will say, say anything because they're just like, they don't want to question. And I think that idea of feedback is super, super important. And is there something specific that you were holding on to as like, Hey, this belief, this is, this is the shit right here. And one of your team members came in and was like, well, actually let's think about doing that a little bit different. Is there something specific um, no i can't say there's anything big i think it's uh i think because i listened to a lot of people before the like general concept of the the, the 90 minute program was born i it's, i can't even say it's my idea it's probably more my wife's idea than mine it's it's um you know something i tried to do with in my past company it never worked out and so she kind of like was giving me a thousand reasons why it would work and and other things that happened like I've written, I can't tell you how many workouts I've written, uh, you know, seven, eight per training day over the past 10 years. Like, I don't even know how many tens of thousands of workouts I've written. So I feel like sometimes that like, whatever I write is just going to be like a freaking kick-ass workout. Cause I know how long it takes to do 15 thrusters and transition and do this muscle ups and it's going to be perfect. Right. And then someone will come along, Danny or Arnie or anyone just be like, 
I work out stupid. And I'm like, <laughs> no, like I have it. I have it. I have a reason in my head why it's great. And they'll like poke a hole in it. I'll be like, huh? Okay. Yep. I haven't been challenged like that. Okay. Yep. That's not fun at all for anybody. Is it? I guess I'll rewrite that. That's a good and, example. Uh, yeah. I and like so it's, it's just, uh, you're right. I wasn't challenged for a lot of years, whether people wanted to or not, it just didn't happen. And, uh, and now, yeah, I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that most challenges come from my wife, but like she looks at every freaking workout I write because she's the one usually doing a lot of the, the back end stuff, putting it in for me for everyone to see. And she'll like stop in her tracks and be like, come look at this workout. I'm like, what? Yeah. What's wrong with it? And she'll just like rip me apart on it. I'm like, oh, okay, we'll change it. Sorry about that one. You're right. Yeah. And like it happens. So like, yeah, just trying to be open more about it. It's not, it's not about me. It's about like, putting out the best thing we can do. And I do think that the concept that we're rolling with as a team is going to be, I think people are going to universally accept the idea of it a lot more than they do now in the future. So. Well, Danny is obviously an absolute stud in her own right. You know, she was a tremendous athlete. She was an affiliate owner in Massachusetts. She's been around the space. She's seen thousands and thousands of workouts go down. So, you know, talk about having a partner who can really push you. That's awesome. I love that. Super happy for you guys. In regard to your process in writing workouts, you're, I I mean, obviously prolific workout author, like you said, thousands and thousands and thousands of workouts have come out of you. What is your process like when you sit down to author either a day or a week of programming? How, How do you go about it? Yeah, this is kind of a cool topic because uh, I completely have changed my process from last company to this company. Mm. It couldn't be more different, Interesting. Um, which, is, which is great. So I think actually I've, I shared with you in the past, like a, just a, a, a basic movement list template that I have. Yep. And I expand on that. So there's, there's the basic movements that we see all the time is probably you know, 30 or 40 on that list. And then there's all the variations of them, right? You could take a box jump and make it lateral or a burpee and make it over a bar. Like you just expand on them however you need. I use that as kind of a, a way to just make sure that in the GPP model that I'm not missing anything huge. So I go through and I say, okay, this day I'm going to pair up these movements here and I'm going to make this, I need this to be longer or shorter, whatever. So I kind of make an outline. I make, uh, I make my whole day uh, of the 90. I put in, my warm up. I put in my strength. I decide if that's become coming before or after the Metcon, my extra piece. I put the movements I need to use for the day in. And then that's where the kind of creativity happens from there. So the start is kind of templated. It's kind of boring. It just makes sure that I don't miss anything. And the creativity happens when I have what strength I want to hit, what movements I need to hit in conditioning and what I want to focus on, on that skill work. Cause I could pick, you could pick any five movements, right. And you could make, vastly different days with the same five movements, probably 10 days in a row, right? I mean, you wouldn't program it that way, but I'm saying if I asked you to make 10 different days with the same five movements, you could couple them together, you could separate them, you could make chippers, you can make this a skill thing completely separate from these things. You can, if you have any experience programming, you can manipulate the movements to make anything you want out of them, right? So like, that's what I do. I just decide where my movements are going. And then the kind of the artistic side of what I do is just building the day to make it fun, get the points across I'm trying to get, 
if it's interval work that I build in enough rest to make sure that they're recharged for the next you know, set of it, mm-hmm. uh, making sure things are balanced. I'm, I'm a big stickler. I don't know if it's even correct or not, but I'm a stickler in trying to balance the efforts of movements in a workout. I don't want you to do a workout with 10 box jumps and 30 thrusters for five rounds. It doesn't make sense to have box jumps in there. They don't accomplish anything. So like, I'm always trying to find balance of what you know, things should flow together. And, and, uh, again, when you have 90 minutes, you got to keep things intense for the most part too. At least one of the pieces in my opinion should be intense. So if you're not able to construct a workout that allows the athlete to keep moving and you just make hard workouts, you're not building a good program. You're just, you're keeping people behind. So trying to find a ways to construct somebody figuring out what that transition is going to look like, figuring out, you know, what the rep scheme should be and the weight based on whatever avatar I have in my head for mm. that day. Like, so there's, uh, yeah, I might be going down a road here, but that's no, what- I, this is super interesting. Obviously it's super interesting to me because, you know, I think we share a lot of the same parts of the process in, in crafting workouts, the actual mechanics of what those parts are, are a little bit different, um, you know, but, you know, both creating, goals or movements, expressions or combinations of movements, and then wrapping the stimulus up in that and, and that being the framework and then actually dialing in what is the actual uh, expression of that, you know, exactly. get, get to the end state there. Do you program? So when you were explaining through that, do you program a day at a time, a week at a time, a month at a time, three months at a time? How do you sit when you sit down, what are you doing? I used to try to do two, two weeks at a time, but actually I've become like, overly focused on details, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I actually don't know. But, um, so now I really, if I sit down, if I can construct three to four good days in a row from start to finish the nineties, I've, I'm like done. I feel like I've done a lot and I feel like, uh, the creativity is going to start to dip at that point. It'd probably take me an hour to an hour and a half to make four fully solid days that I'm like, feel like I hit a masterpiece where I'm like, ah, it's perfect. They all flow nicely one day after another, every day flow, the training session flows well. Like I feel good about it to actually be detail focused. Like that takes me a while to do them. So it's just day by day. And it gets me in trouble sometimes, honestly, because I might hit four or five days in a row, three, four days in a row, whatever. And then it might not be for another three or four or five days till I come back around to do the next bit. So now I, if I'm not looking back at how the previous days, you know, were flowing, I could end up, you know, creating issues. So it takes a lot of work to like figure it out. And it's, it's really a few days at a time right now and trying to make sure those, those few days are again, detail focused because 90 minutes is, it is a lot of time, but it's also, you know, if you screw up one of the pieces in your 90 minute session, you've screwed their training up. So like, I'm just, trying to make sure I deliver for them each time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely empathize with that position, you know, and, and obviously at NC fit, we're not perfect. And we, we have some errors right. that slip through the cracks, no matter how many different layers or checks or balances that we put in place, there's something, whether or not it's as small as uh, a punctuation being off or like a, a keystroke difference in what the weight should be in the workout. Yeah. Even those small things, you know, obviously the people who are going to go out there and participate in the program, they're reading it for the first time with a fine tooth comb and they see right. everything. Oh yeah. Everything. I think, I think uh, just recently it was, uh, we programmed the Jack, the hero workout, Jack and great workout for whatever. Yeah. It's an awesome workout. I love that one. It's one of the few hero workouts that flows the entire time. There's no roadblocks. Love that workout. 
So, but for whatever reason, box jump, push press. Yeah, push, push press, kettlebell swing, box jump. I think it is one. Yeah. Anyway, and uh, I wrote it was a 15 minute window for that. Like just, just a stupid error, like minute whatever to minute, and it got posted on Instagram. And the amount of people who are like, oh, who could do a a 20 minute AMRAP in 15 minutes? Like people were like all over my (laughs) shit. Like I was like clearly just a mistake like and then people ask, like someone will inevitably ask a question how are we supposed to do it in that like and be serious and it's like please just spare yeah. me one mistake, <laughs> please I need, uh, I need, yeah that's super funny, funny. that pulls at my heartstrings man because i yeah. know exactly what you're feeling when you yeah. publish do you publish uh, a day at a time a week at a time a month at a time so you we just discussed authoring when you write down your workouts and you're getting the process ready. But when you push them out to your athletes, how much are they seeing in advance, if at all? Depends on what uh, program they're on. So if you're mm-hmm. just on like our crew membership, which gives them like the 90 or the 60 minute version, they can see up to, I think, four or five days in advance, something like that, four days in advance, I think. Um, we have like a, we have a class program too, where we try to release it a month at a time that way the affiliate owner can take the pdf they have a daily version too in an app but they can take a pdf and inevitably as you know authoring for 100 affiliates or whatever you guys have like every affiliate is going to have to at some point make a slight tweak whether it's logistics or equipment or whatever or covid like things are going to have to be moved around so we try to give them a little buffer on that um like 20 day buffer so that if they need to make a change they can but for the, the most people who, who just follow the 90 minute program, I let them see four days ahead. I don't need people like cherry picking or snooping weeks at a time. And also just don't need people having access to it and, and sharing it with everybody before it's supposed to be like drop for people. I, I think I'm old school in the sense that I think you're probably there too. I was refreshing my computer at 9 PM, I think East coast time waiting for .com to be released. Yeah. yeah. And when they released at 907, I wasn't happy about it. So like <laughs> the, the excitement of seeing the next day's workout and not having it spoiled weeks in advance, I think should be part of the, the fun of this. Unless you're taking it serious and you need to plan out your week. I get that. But yeah. like the majority of people who are just, you know, they're, I call them fitness enthusiasts. You want to do 90 minutes of training, like wait, see what it says the night before and like get excited and get the jitters and all that. That's part of the fun of training. Like don't spoil it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I- I mean, I definitely remember those days when you're waiting for the, the workout to publish on .com and kind of frantically hit and refresh. And I think there were some, some days in there where they've, they forgot. Yeah, there <laughs> were. Forgot. For sure. <laughs> and it would come through like hours later, uh, no explanation. But um, we publish a week in advance for our athletes. So when the workouts go out, athletes are able to see everything a full week. And then when we're publishing to our gym clients we publish right now on thursday so we have a shorter window thursday the week before that means thursday friday saturday sunday they have four days which they can look at it and make adjustments we're actually going to bump it up one more day to wednesday coming pretty soon but the month in advance i know that affiliate owners probably appreciate that because of all the changes that they have to make so well but there's a difference too so like I, I have a basic idea of the way you guys do things. Your, your stuff is like such high level production. It's really like great. Like any, any coach could watch one of the videos you guys put out about the daily class or whatever and fully understand, even with limited experience, a very simple way to teach a very effective class. Whereas 
I, I mean, I'm very straightforward with the gyms that follow mine. I say like, look, um, your coaches should be looking at this ahead of time. Here's a suggested warm up, but I suggest your coaches know how to warm people up. Like, okay. Like you yeah. don't need warm up for this. And like, and I'm, I, I give them one note. Like I know some other programs will write like paragraphs about how the day should go. I'm like, look, if you need to change this, this is a good place to change it, make an adjustment athletes. This is what the uh, stimulus of the workout is like, that's it. That's, yeah. that's all they're getting. And it's very clean and, and to the point, but I, I don't offer any of the, the like really nice premium stuff that you guys do. We're kind of a, almost like a two person show over here. And like, you guys like just crush with that no, stuff. No, no, so, no. I, I am sure what you guys are putting out is, a, is an amazing product that you're, you're very proud of and that your, uh, your gyms and your oh, clients yeah. are loving. And, you know, it's different strokes for different folks and what they, they want out of those things. But one thing that I, I agree 100% with you about is that regardless of whether or not we're putting out a really finely detailed lesson plan or you're putting out stimulus note and a warm up, when you're the coach on the floor, your responsibility is one, you better know that fucking workout like the back of your hand. Yeah. You better look at it. You better know what you want to do and then be dynamic enough to move outside of those notes or that detailed plan. If you have to, based on the group in front of you, you know, no bigger disservice in my opinion than somebody who's just so locked into whatever we or you are giving them without mm -hmm. thinking about who is standing in front of me right now and what do they need most? <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. And I, I tell people like we, we obviously run our own class program at our, our gym in Kailua out here. And, uh, I'm, I'm very upfront with like affiliate owners that reach out and want information. I say, I change this program when I, when it's ready to go. Um, the same time you guys get it, like we're entering it in our app for, for our gym. And I go through just like you guys should go through. And I make all the changes day by day for my class. So it's like, I'm getting it delivered the same way. And so I, I adjust the program entirely for my gym and also make sure that, you know, my coaches have it ahead of time and that, when they see it on the board, I, we have meetings about like giving, I think some coaches can be a little, uh, whether it's the owner's, you know, orders or the coach's perception, they feel like they have to deliver it exactly the way it's written or, or else like you changed it. And if the member's not happy because they didn't do the same exact thing as the 6am member, whatever the reason, but I'm like, you guys have full permission to change this. If you need to make this new an interval, if you need to make this new apartment thing, if you need to move people outside, if you need to change thrusters to wall it's like do what you need to do to deliver the best class you can deliver in that 60 minute window if a member is going to send me a, a mean email about doing a different workout slightly changed than someone earlier like i'll deal with that member like yeah. deliver for the group and like understand what the point of the workout is and give it to them and have fun doing it like that's yeah i mean i just i want gym members to have fun i love it when people are like walking out at the end of the class and they're like thank you seth that was so much fun I had a great time like that's better to me than, I don't know. I just, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I tell this to a lot of coaches out there and like, nobody's going to, nobody's going to fucking remember the fact that you gave them this really amazing cue to press their knees out. Like no. if, if that's the, if that's what you're relying on to make your class really fun and exceptional, or really great and exceptional, you are losing this game nobody goes home and tells their family members, Oh my God, coach MDV today with my squat really blew my mind. He put his finger on the outside of my knee and I got such great external rotation out of my hips. 
Nobody says that. Nobody in the history of doing this stuff says that. They said, Seth had a great time today. He gave me some awesome motivation and I learned a thing or two and I can't wait to go back tomorrow. That's it. That's like, that's all I want to happen. That's, that's it. That's, that's what class should be. And I think, uh, I think people should strive for that. And I think having your members have more fun will also lead to more progress getting over wrapped up in what exactly the cue needs to be, or like being so so wrapped up with somebody's one particular movement that you just like beating them to death in class and other things. Like you're just not going to get that much out of that person. Like if they're having fun and they're coming back and they're moving and you're getting them to move each time, you will get the results both you want for them and they want for themselves. Like make it serious and you're only going to have serious athletes and your, your population is going to be pretty small at your gym. Yeah. And I I think that there's also a balance too. you know, I think that you can be a trainer that has a hell of a good time and really artfully is able to deliver movement and um, concept in a way that the people are receptive to. It doesn't have to, it, it doesn't have to be the fucking, the Island of misfit toys on one end of the spectrum. And on the other end of the spectrum, it doesn't need to be like a prison camp. Like there's, there is a middle ground here that can be had. And I know there's a middle ground because there's coaches like you out there doing this and making it happen for people in a way that's really fun and exciting while giving them really world-class education. Yeah. And, and I think you would agree, like the simpler, the, the better, give them something real simple they can learn and uh, give them my, my goal. And I always tell this to other coaches is like, when I'm, when I'm coaching a lift, let's say, uh, let's say it's snatch day, like, yeah. Am I going to hit something? Am I going to, or am I going to like make sure that everyone's totally safe? Of course. I'm not going to let anyone go crazy with it, but also I'm just going to pick one cue for the day. I'm going to say, you know what? I've noticed a lot in my classes, like no one's moving their feet. Like I'm just my, my, and I'll even tell the class my rule for today. If you don't move your feet, that lift doesn't count. So like, that's what I'm watching. Let's talk about how that works and then drill them through it. And that's what they're working on. And everyone's making a little progress there. And wow, I've never moved my feet before. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. They may not have PR. They, they actually may have taken a step back because now they have to re- relearn something. But like, I try to make it fun, give them one thing to think about, not seven things to think about. And uh, each time I'll just, I almost decide on a whim too, based on what my class is. I'll go in there and be like, all right, today, you know, we're, we're focusing on the, just the dip phase of the push press like let's see what that looks like with everybody because i know everyone's pushing that bar out in front of them and i've seen them do it the last few weeks so tonight that's all i care about and like and i'll just kind of like just hone on that one thing so people can practice that and drill that and not worry about anything else and that seems to be an okay way not to stress people out and give them something to learn and have fun with it still well seth i mean that i I think you're underselling yourself there, man. I think that that is a really mature perspective to have on movement and coaching. And I think it's something that not many trainers out there, both very experienced trainers and very new trainers fully grasp is the fact that like all most, if not all the movements that we're going to encounter within the gym, there's too many stages, steps, or they're too complex to reteach every single thing about the movement every single time or it's just too much shit to put onto the athlete that day. Like pick, pick one thing, one or two things, maybe two that you're going to focus in on the movement. The rest of the time, let your demonstration do the talking about some of the things that you might not necessarily need to highlight. Like it blows my mind that sometimes when the deadlift shows up, there's still coaches out there who are going to teach 
every single thing about the deadlift and it like 15 minutes goes by and you have a, de a deadlift day with 20, 75 pound deadlifts. And it's like, bro, you didn't have to do that. Like yeah, squeeze your great. belly, pick it up off the ground, go. Yeah. Grab it. Stand up. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I hear you. I, I try to get people yeah, moving and moving and grooving and like, and yeah. And, and actually uh, one of the things I like to do lifts in particular is like, I'm actually, and, and obviously you could probably tell from the conversation, I'm very particular about the way that the, the format of the lift is set up because I think there are opportunities if coaches realized it to take advantage of the way that you structure the lift to coach more while they're lifting. So if you have an EMOM, like yesterday in my class, we had uh, we had like one rep every 30 seconds of snatch for, for four minutes at like a, a very safe weight, like skill almost. The next you had like a, a rep every minute for four minutes at like a working tech, 75% or so, somewhere around that. Mm -hmm. And then we had like a rep every 90 seconds for six minutes um, at like 80% plus. So you're gonna build to a heavy single with those last four attempts. And through that time, you know, you're, I'm kind of talking to the class during the 30 second reps because there's people moving all the time. So I'm, I'm continuing to reinforce some basic things like make sure you're finishing that pull. Hey, your feet didn't move there. Just bouncing around doing that. But then when it comes time to get that 60 second and that 90 second, there's a little more standing around. There's more talking. There's more like watching each other. What's he going to look And then you can start to kind of build the excitement. So you could use four minutes to run around and coach and give everyone something useful even if you didn't have one cue that you were honing in on everyone for the day and now they get to fix that. And now you get to pump everyone up to try to lift, you know, heavy and use that the rest of the time. So that's like one structure. Another thing I like to do is just like we talked about 15 minutes to build to a, you know, heavy triple thruster or whatever. Well, there's going to be a lot of downtime in that, right? You're going to hit a couple light sets and you're going to build. And then those light sets, as you're warming up, I can go around and now make the adjustments on your light sets. Your elbows are dipping here. This is happening there, whatever. Okay, great. And then as it gets heavier, those things become more and more pronounced. And you, can, you have time because people are taking their time resting between sets to go around and actually talk to somebody about how their last set went. So based on how, this is how I think about it, based on how I've structured the lift, also changes the way I'm going to coach the strength, that whole class. It's not going to, I'm not going to put everyone in two lines and drill them through uh, the snatch that day. Cause I don't need to, I might do a quick barbell warm up with that just so they can get their first weight on for the practice. But now I'm going to spend my time coaching them while they're lifting as opposed yeah. to just drilling and drilling and drilling and drilling all the time. So no, that's really, I mean, that's really great stuff. I think that's, you know, on the higher end and the more advanced group management and, you know, obviously you've coached a ton You've seen what works, what doesn't. I like the way that you structure those things. I think, again, we have a lot of similarities in the way that we're going to bring yeah. to life workouts and different sessions and uh, that group management. If, you, if you're not thinking about those things or you're not seeing the opportunities there, if you're a coach and you have a 15-minute session to build to a heavy triple, you have so much ability and flexibility within that time to use the downtime in a way that's your advantage. And it doesn't need to be just set the clock, stand in the corner, watch the people lift. Like there's right. a lot that can happen there and you can tackle it a bunch of different ways. I'm, I'm really, really glad you highlighted that. Um, I want to be respectful of your time here, Seth. We're at the okay. hour. You know, you're a busy man. You got a lot of stuff to do. Congratulations on, first of all, all the amazing success that you guys are having with Jump Ship. I'm very, very happy for you. Congrats on all the personal happiness and success that you're experiencing in Hawaii with your lovely wife. 
And I wanted to have the listeners be able to find where you're at. So where can they find out more about what you and Danny are doing? What's going on with Jumpship? Uh, at Jumpship Training on Instagram is pretty much our central hub, uh, jumpshiptraining.com as well. Um, you can follow me too at um, Seth Jumpship on Instagram. <laughs> pretty straightforward. Yeah. We try to put out some pretty reasonable stuff and yeah, come check it out. Ask ask us if you have if you have any questions. I'm uh, you can DM me anytime. So very cool. Well, I would love to have you back on, have some more conversations about coaching and programming. But this was a okay. great one. Thank you very much, Seth. Have a good day. Thanks, man. See ya. Thank you.